Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. High drive, center field, hit the wall, grand slam. This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. We talked a lot of pitching on yesterday's podcast, so let's show some love to the hitters. Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball today on Wednesday, July 7th. Frank Stample joined by Scotty Dubs, Scott White. Going to focus on some of those hot and cold hitters. Scott's most recent prospect report is on the site. Talk about that. Can we drop this pitcher who is 84% rostered? Team name Wednesday and much more. What up, Scotty? How you doing? Doing great, Frank A. You're looking cool. you? You're looking grand today. Not that you don't look grand every day, but you got the, the comb over. What do you got? Gel in the hair? I, I don't know that I'd call this a comb over. Isn't isn't a comb over when you like overgrow it on one side because you're bald on the top and then you comb it over? Isn't Is that, that a comb over? I just kind of thought it was. I resent any, the accusation. <laughs> any hairstyle that where you you kind of flip the hair to one side or, and maybe, or you comb it to one side—that's a yeah, comb over. That would, that's not. That would make sense. No comb over. I've heard it used in a different context. All right. Well, I'm sure you're not balding because well, we're I feel all like we balding. Yeah. We're all balding, slow, some slower than others. <laughs> Let's start. But no, I'm, I'm good on the top. The top is real strong. I appreciate the top that. Is, you know, I kind of got the Will Arnett thing going on. You know, people have, to, you know, people have not seen my hair in a long time. I'm always wearing a hat, but there, there's a lot of hair underneath here. So maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll surprise <laughs> yeah, people why are you one day. It? Come on, maybe I'll surprise <laughs> people one day and uh, <laughs> come out with whatever's underneath this hat. Let's talk about. One of the prospects who apparently is getting called up before we even get to, oh my goodness gracious, Vidal Brujan, one of the game's top prospects and the Rays' second-ranked prospect in their organization behind only Wander Franco is apparently getting called up on Wednesday with Manuel Margot heading to the IL. We know that Vidal Brujan, we talked about him a lot this year, had a monster May, really slowed down in the month of June where he hit just 182 with a 607 OPS, lots of speed here, Scott. He's added some power to his game. What are you expecting from Vidal Brujan? He is 41% rostered. Where would you be adding Vidal Brujan if he's available? Look, he has 80 grade speed, which is well, the 2080 scale. That's as high as it gets. That's why it's a 2080 scale. And you don't see a lot of 80s handed out for much of anything. So any 5 by 5 league, 
adding Vidal Bruhan is a must. However, as you pointed out, the enthusiasm has waned considerably over the last month plus as his batting average has fallen. It's it's now just a little above 250 for the entire season. When remember uh, in May when the when the minor league season first kicked off, it's like this was the guy we were getting excited about even even beyond Wander Franco at times. And it seemed like he had developed power that we you know that that would that he would that he wasn't promised to develop at any point in his career hit two home runs since the start of June after hitting what was it nine no wait a second four or five seven in that first month and two home runs since so is he a power hitter again he wasn't he didn't profile as that before the month of May when suddenly he had power but definitely can run definitely good plate discipline doesn't strike out much gets on base um and there's a chance, despite his recent performance at AAA, that he gets hot and never looks back. It becomes a, a must-start type of player in fantasy baseball. But yeah, right now, I, I think my enthusiasm is limited to 5x5 five five leagues, where, again, because of his speed, it's a must. Uh, otherwise, like in a points league, in a shallow 10-team league, I'm probably, I'm probably going to wait and see. As for what he profiles as, again, it's hard to say because we don't know if that May power performance was a fake out from Bruhan. I, I mean, I think that's the most likely scenario, just given what his pedigree was coming into this season and given how he's performed since May. But I don't know. Like, maybe he could be Whit Merrifield. Maybe he could be another version of Whit Merrifield. I think he has the plate discipline to be that, the contact skills, and and Whit Merrifield isn't totally powerless. Obviously, that would be a really good scenario because Whit Merrifield's a stud in fantasy. So, you know, obvious. So, so of course, he could fall short of that, plenty short of that as well. But that's if if you want an optimistic projection for Bruhan, that would probably be it. Yeah, I think he has a solid hit tool as well, Scott. So, two ninety career hitter in the minors. I would expect, you know, a a decent batting average, or at least one that won't hurt you for those playing in five by five leagues. Uh, and obviously five by five in Roto, you have a middle infielder, you have five outfield spots. As of now, Vidal Bruhan is only second base eligible on CBS, but this year in the minors alone, he played second base, third base, shortstop, all three outfield positions. So very yeah. much so in that Tampa Bay Rays mold. I, I think they plan to move him around a little bit. And he, it, it, he should gain outfield eligibility very soon. So he'll be second in outfield uh, probably within his first week on the job since the, the, the thinking is he's going to stick around after the doubleheader to, to take Manuel Margo's roster spot. But depending on how he performs, it may only be a short-term stay for Bruhan. so keep that in mind as well. All right, and how serious is that 80-grade speed? Vidal Bruhan had 103 steals between 2018 and 2019 in the minors. Uh, 50, uh, 48 in one of those seasons, 55 in another. Scott, I'll throw a few second base eligible players your way and figure out would you drop any of these guys for Vidal Bruhan. The first one up, Jazz Chisholm, who has really, really slowed down over the past month. Would you drop him for Vidal Bruhan? You know, if it's a borderline case, I'm probably going to say yes to dropping him for Bruhan. Like, borderline in terms of whether this guy should be rostered in a 12-team fantasy league. I'm probably going to take a chance on the unknown and just see if Bruhan's a tear right out of the gate because that's certainly possible. So I think in, in the chase of Jazz 
Chisholm as much as he's cooled off since April and as bad as his strikeout rate is, I'd be willing to make that switch. All right. So then I assume that you will say yes to dropping all of these. Joey Wendell, Gavin Lux, and Garrett Hampson for Vidal Brujan. Yeah. Yep. Every single one of them. Just to backtrack to Chisholm, if you're talking about a standard Roto lineup with a middle infield spot, all those hitter spots to fill, I, I have a hard time believing he's the worst hitter you can drop. Agree with it that. It would be more of like a head-to-head lineup scenario. So I'm not... And, and obviously the Roto... Because of Chisholm's steals potential, Roto format is where he's most valuable anyway. So keep that in mind. I mean, it's not just a blanket statement to drop Chisholm. But if it came down to it, I think I'd rather take the chance on Bruhan right now. All right, lots of excitement for Vidal Bruhan getting called up on Wednesday by the Tampa Bay Rays. Let's take a look back at Tuesday, some of the standouts. Let's get things started. Oh my good goodness gracious! All right, Scotty, and where would you like to get things started? I'd like to get things started with another middle infielder who has been up for a while now and is contributing, but isn't getting a lot of attention in fantasy. And it needs to change. And that infielder is Brendan Rodgers. Now, the Rockies game against the Diamondbacks is still going on, so he could add to his total. But Brendan Rodgers, in that game, has doubled twice. Uh, it's in Arizona, not in Colorado. And his home away splits, he's actually been better on the road so far. Hasn't really even taken advantage of Coors Field yet, has Rodgers. And yet, since the start of June, he entered Tuesday since the start of June, batting 287 with an 875 OPS. His BABIP during that stretch right around 300. His strikeout rate is only like 18%. It's really good. Uh, he's hitting for power. He's hitting for average. And again, he's doing it on the road even more so than at home so far. He does have, you know, the annoying tendency to sit every fourth or fifth game, which I think is partly contributed to his rostership remaining so low, still available in more than half of CBS Sports Leagues. But the playing time is increasing as his performance improves, and I suspect that's a trend that will continue. And like I said, given that he hasn't even really done much at home yet, I think he could blow up here. I think he could blow up, and, and there may be no looking back. We may regard him entering next season as just a stud middle infielder and he's eligible at both middle infield spots right now which is why i keep saying middle infielder so brendan rogers i i think it's time if you haven't picked him up yet if you're looking for a second half breakout i think he would be number one on my list with the with the kind of quiet under the radar production he's provided so far the playing time has increased too scott he started 11 of the past 12 games for the colorado rockies so not even that every fourth or fifth day. Like He's been playing pretty consistently here for Brendan Rodgers. Two more doubles on Tuesday. His last 15 games in particular, I know you mentioned since um, the start of June, right? Mm-hmm. Last 15 games for Brendan Rodgers, 315 batting average with two home runs. So obviously not a ton of power yet, but you know, once he starts performing at home, as you mentioned, we could get more Five home runs since the start of June. So yeah. uh, it's been it's been solid power production, but it hasn't been. I, I think part of the reason he's remained under the radar is that he hasn't had like a splashy stretch where it's like, you know, six home runs in two weeks or something. But yeah. that, that may come. 
I agree with you. I'm, I'm right there with you on Brendan Rodgers. 47% rostered on CBS. And a few other middle infielders. I was going to rank these a little bit later on when we get to our hot hitters. But uh, Rodgers is one of them. Another one, David Fletcher, who last time I checked, he had four hits. Might have added to that total. Four hits, two doubles on Tuesdays, betting 353 over his last 30 games is David Fletcher with exactly zero home runs. You're not going to get anything else outside of batting average, but hitting atop a solid Angels lineup. They just lost Anthony Rendon. We'll talk about that in a little bit, Uh, but he's going to score runs. He's going to score runs. He's going to give you batting average. David Fletcher, he's 60% rostered. The other name, Jed Lowry, who went two for four with a double and an RBI. He is heating back up his last 15 games, 306 batting average with three homers. He's 36% rostered. So these guys could all be available in probably shallower leagues uh, more often than not. But how would you rank those three, Scott, if you do need a middle infielder? Fletcher, Brendan Rodgers, Jed Lowry. Yeah, we'll throw Vidal Brujan in that mix, too. I would definitely take... uh, I take Rodgers over Brujan? Hmm. Can't do it in a Roto League. Somebody asked me today on Twitter who I would take between those two in a Dynasty Points League, Brendan Rodgers or Vidal Brujan. I think it's close, but I said Rodgers, actually. See, yeah, I mean... The, the thing with Bruhan is the plate discipline is really good, both in terms of walks and lack of strikeouts, which is going to help him considerably in a points league. He's, he's not going to be a roto specialist, I, I think, if he, if he fully breaks through. Uh, so I, I think I'm going to give Bruhan the slight edge to Rodgers for right now, if only because I, can, I think you can continue to sneak Rodgers by on waivers for the time being. That's a really close call. So that would be one and two, and three would be, uh, or the other two choices: David Fletcher and Jed Lowry. Yep. Yeah, I, that's the order I'd rank them: Fletcher over Lowry. Uh, Fletcher, of course, is powerless, and he doesn't really steal bases. Eh, four so far this year. That's well, we're, I guess we're halfway home, so that's not a great total. But he is—he is a very safe source of batting average. Got off to a slow start in that regard this year, but it's nice to see he's come around. For me, oh my goodness gracious, from Tuesday, Orlando Arcia. If you didn't know, he's now in the Atlanta Braves. He had a sock and a shoe, now has two multi-hit games since being recalled on Sunday. So two multi-hit games in his first three games since being recalled. He's playing left field now for the Atlanta Braves, so he doesn't have that eligibility yet, but shortstop eligible as of now on CBS, 4% rostered. We're talking super deep leagues here for Orlando Arcia, but he was crushing it at AAA this year. They traded for him, I believe it was either right before the season or right at the start of the season, and Arcia was batting 303 with 13 homers, 5 steals, and a 932 OPS at AAA. Once had huge prospect pedigree in the Brewers organization, so it has my attention, Scott, and you know, 15-team Roto Leagues, anything deeper than that. You play in an NL-only format. Orlando Arcia, so far, three games, but he's performing well, uh, and he was crushing it in the minors. So, any interest in those deeper leagues on Orlando Arcia? Yeah, did you give those exact numbers for Arcia in the minors? Yeah, 303, 13 homers, 5 steals at AAA. Yeah, an OPS of 932. I noticed also he was elevating at AAA much better than he ever has as a major leaguer. He's been kind of an extreme ground ball hitter in the majors, which, you know, this isn't really the era for that. That was the whole fly ball revolution thing. So uh, I I don't know if he just had an awakening or or what, that he he had that kind of power production in basically a two-month span at AAA. 
but it's interesting. I, I'm more interested in him than I ever was in Abraham Almonte. That's for sure. <laughs> he's only 26. Oh my gosh. He's only 26. He's got his whole career ahead of him. Yeah. He was, he was called up pretty early in his career. He was, he's basically been an everyday player since 2016. He was called up like mid season then for the Milwaukee Brewers. So, uh, yeah, he had a 41% ground ball rate, as you mentioned in triple a so that that would represent a career high if it was in the majors so elevating a little bit more again the name there orlando arcia for those of you in deeper leagues before we get to news and notes just wanted to let everyone know we are finalists for the sports category of the people's choice podcast awards we appreciate all you guys do for us and we hope you enjoy our show enough to nominate us to advance to the final round to nominate fantasy baseball today Go to podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up and then toggle down the sports category. We've included a link at the top of the episode description as well. Appreciate all of your support and help there. News and notes from Tuesday. Yasmani Grandal is out four to six weeks with a torn tendon in his knee. Zach Collins seems to be the starter in the meantime for the White Sox for those who play in two catcher leagues. Obviously, those are... Deeper formats. I don't think anyone's rushing to the waiver wire to add Zach Collins. But Scott, if you do play in a one-catcher league, how would you rank these three? James McCann, Mike Zanino, and Max Stassi as a potential Grandal replacement. Stassi's definitely number one. He had another big game here on Tuesday. And actually, oh, I think it just ended. He had a double and a home run. And... uh has been you know, his batting averages up to 312 now, slugging 523. So he's he's definitely producing. He'd be number one. I think I'd go Zunino over McCann, two and three. All right. Yeah. I mean, the whole Max Stassi thing, I don't really get why his roster rate is only 42% because even if you play in a one catcher league, chances are he's better than half the league. Yeah. Half the league's catchers at this point. But now that there's, there, there are just so few catchers that are worth like protecting from your enemies. You know, yeah. Like, I, I I can't afford to drop this. So you can be so like it's it's such a fungible position in a one catcher league. I guess would be the word because like who cares? <laughs> who, who cares? Who cares if you're dropping Christian Vasquez? You know. Like, yeah, yeah. So basically, if I didn't have one of the top six catchers, Rio Muto, Salvador Perez. Wilson Contreras, Buster Posey, Will Smith, and Gary Sanchez, those six, I would want Max Stassi on my team. He's my next ranked catcher. So, I mean, I guess you can argue Yadier Molina. He's heating back up again, but anything after that, Sean Murphy, Omar Narvaez, Christian Vasquez, like, no. Give me Max Stassi, man. The guy's playing really well right now. Let's get that roster rate higher. Stassi's uh, another, mom. An, another catcher who performed well uh, here on Tuesday, uh, Tyler Stevenson. Of the Reds, who had three hits, I believe. Yeah, uh, and he's he's batting two eighty one now, with an OPS over eight hundred. Now he plays only about half the time, so I can understand passing him over in a points league a little more. Yeah, but still, like you can do a lot worse than Tyler Stevenson. No, I really he's barely rostered. I really like that call too. I had little mini segment later on anything to see here. And Tyler Stevenson was one of those players because I feel like we haven't talked about him all season. He's 33% rostered, pretty solid profile, 12% walk rate, 18% mm-hmm. strikeout rate, 
23% line drives. He does hit too many ground balls, but whenever he plays, it seems like he's hitting in the middle of the Reds lineup. So it's a pretty good, you know, lineup context for him as well. So especially if you play in a roto league where you just you just need solid contribution, anything that's positive. Yeah, for sure. Tyler Stevenson should be on your team. Back to the news and notes. Anthony Rendon was placed on the IL with a hamstring strain retroactive to Monday. This is now his third IL stint of the season. Nightmare season overall for Anthony Rendon at this point. Sounds like he could be back right after the All-Star break. Scott, do you think Anthony Rendon remains a buy-low candidate, or would you just stay away at this point? Because it seems like he's always banged up this year. He's a buy-low candidate, but you got to buy really low at this point. Yeah. Because you, you can't... You're buying him without expecting much. Just hoping that he turns things around, given his history, given his track record, that he just turns it on, which is possible. It, it's basically the stance I've held with Christian Yelich for the past couple months, and so far he still hasn't turned it on. Yeah. Chris Sale will throw two simulated innings on Saturday before likely beginning his rehab assignment. Late July, early August remains the timetable for Chris Sale's return. Carlos Carrasco, some good news here. Velocity hit the mid-90s during his live batting practice session on Tuesday. Manager Luis Rojas said that Carrasco remains on track to make his Mets debut sometime in late July. That's the first time that I've actually heard a timetable for Carlos Carrasco, so great news there. Scott, who would you rather stash, I guess, Chris Sale or Carlos Carrasco? Carrasco, I would have to say, though his timetable has been pushed back significantly a couple times already. I'm a little gun shy there, but yeah, I mean that's that's a clearer timetable than whatever the buildup from Tommy John surgery would be. We had a trade on Tuesday. The Brewers acquired Rowdy Telez from the Blue Jays in exchange for Trevor Rogers and right-handed pitcher Bowden Francis. If the Brewers plan to play uh, Telez at first base, then I guess Kesson Hira. Goes back to second base. I don't. I don't know what they're going to do there. Jace Peterson is swinging a hot bat, so they've got themselves a little bit of a logjam. But uh, Rowdy Telez is six percent rostered. Could definitely have some power upside playing in Milwaukee. It's a great park there for left-handed power. Scott, any interest in deeper leagues? Rowdy Telez. Sure, in deeper leagues. I'm curious to see how the playing time is going to shake out. Just like you are. Here has been much improved since returning from the minors. Small sample, and he still hasn't been amazing, but. Good enough to keep in the lineup, so we'll see how that we'll see how that goes. Speaking of being in the lineup, Nelson Cruz was back on Tuesday. Kyle Tucker and Michael Brantley both returned to the Astros lineup. Players who were not in their respective lineups: Glaber Torres with a hamstring, Tyler O'Neill had an allergic reaction, Odubel Herrera with ankle and wrist injuries, Buster Posey remained out with that thumb, Josh Donaldson remained out with his hip. Uh, some other news, Michael Pineda will return from the IL and start Wednesday against the White Sox. Gregory Polanco placed on the IL. Daz Cran- uh, Cameron was unavailable Tuesday and will be unavailable on Wednesday. Might be placed on the IL because of a sprained toe. Tyler Beatty was reinstated by the Giants and he will pitch out of the bullpen for now. He had Tommy John in March of last year and was performing very poorly at AAA. A 6.56 <laughs> ERA for Tyler Beatty. Don't need to add him anywhere. Throw him on the scout team. Let's see where this goes for Tyler Beatty. Uh, and let's talk a little bit more prospects, Scott. We've already talked about Vidal Brujan. Your prospect report is live, and it's on the site right now. If anyone wants to check it out, I'll throw it in the podcast description as well. And your five on the verge. 
They haven't really changed much, but it's Jared Kelnick, Jaron Duran, Bobby Witt, Joe Adele, and Cal Raleigh. We spoke a little bit about Jared Kelnick yesterday, and you highlight in your piece that uh, over his last 11 games, Kelnick batting 413, four homers, seven walks compared to just six strikeouts. If you have this dilemma, Scott, who would you rather stash, Jared Kelnick or Jaron Duran? Well, my column puts Kelnick ahead of Duran, and that is how I'll continue to treat it. I still think Kelnick was... I still think if he hadn't had bad luck on balls in play his first two week in the ma- two weeks in the majors, he'd still be in the majors because it just really seemed like he unraveled after that. The strikeout rate blew up, and it took him a while to to kind of regain his swing at AAA, but clearly it's back now, and uh, I think he'll be back soon. Actually, Jerry Depoto uh, said the same thing that you can expect to see him in the majors soon. I mean, the Mariners, believe it or not, are in the playoff picture, and uh, they still have 163 hitting Taylor Trammell in the outfield. So, Kelnick's going to be up soon. Duran, I mean, we talked about him recently, how uh, he was left off the Olympic team, not because the Red Sox didn't let him play, but because they made it clear they may, they may have to call him back at some point, and the Olympic team just didn't want to deal with that. Um. So, uh, you know, it, it sounds like Duran could be up before the end of July as well. Kelnick, I think, is, in spite of that, those, those initial struggles in the majors, I think he is the better bet to make a big impact when he does arrive. Look at those Mariners, three games out of the American League wildcard right now. I had yep. no, I had no idea. We've talked about this before. Like we are so focused on specific player performance that half the time I have no idea what's actually going on in baseball standings wise. So look at the Mariners; they're ahead of the the Blue Jays, the Yankees, the Angels. All right. Yeah, so. I don't think they'll stay ahead of those teams, yeah. but <laughs> yeah. nonetheless, that's where they are. So uh, I, I I imagine they're motivated to to help their position. All right, five prospects who are on the periphery. These are prospects that have been doing something recently. Kybert Ruiz, the catcher prospect for the Los Angeles Dodgers. I saw that, Scott. Everyone else saw that, too. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez, who is the starting pitcher prospect for the Baltimore Orioles, who actually, at this point, might be the best pitching prospect left in the minors. So, obviously, Gilbert Manoa, they're in the majors right now. Grayson Rodriguez, filthy, filthy stuff. If, if you want to jump on the Orioles bandwagon... Now is the time to do it before Grayson Rodriguez, D.L. Hall, uh, Adley Rutschman. Mm-hmm. They all get the call for the Baltimore Orioles. But the future is bright there. Uh, Garrett Mitchell, outfielder for the Milwaukee Brewers, who we mentioned recently got promoted to A, And then two Yankees prospects, Anthony Volpe, shortstop there, and uh, Glenn Otto, who is a starting pitcher in the Yankees organization. Scott, anything you'd like to add on Ruiz, Grayson Rodriguez, Garrett Mitchell, Anthony Volpe, and Glenn Otto? Yeah, I echo your sentiments about Grayson Rodriguez. As easily as he's dominated the minors, basically from the time he was a teenager, it's I, I've made the the Jose Fernandez comparison to Grayson Rodriguez before, which is not fair to Grayson Rodriguez, but comparisons are fun. And his fastball is amazing. It, it he's always had a great slider. The changeup had been a work in progress, but it now looks like his best secondary pitch. And like his, his minor leaguers just stand no chance against him. 
He's only gone six innings once this year, so it's clear the Orioles are slow playing him. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, Grayson Rodriguez is a huge dynasty dynasty asset at this point. Yeah, keep an eye on Anthony Volpe of the Yankees, who is who's in low A, and he's only twenty years old, but. He wasn't really on the radar prior to this year because, you know, last the last minor league season he was 18 and he was dealing with mono, I think it was, and just, like, did nothing. Uh, but he looks like a, a contributing across the board. 11 home runs, 20 steals, 44 walks versus 39 strikeouts. So even in, in terms of, you know, he's got a 452 on base percentage down there. Anthony Volpe, I think Baseball America just added him to their top 100 prospects when he wasn't even top 15 for the Yankees coming into the season. He, lo- he looks like potentially the next great shortstop prospect. All right. And I just searched both of those players' names in your Scott White Dynasty League to see if they're available. And they're both on your team. I've noticed that. Any players that you write, the five on the periphery, they always wind up on your on your team, which obviously makes sense because they're they're playing well. Uh, but I do I do check whenever you bring someone up. That's why See, I, I I know I have to do it that night because if I wait until the <laughs> next night to add them, I'll have competition from people like you. So I, right. I really stretch myself and maybe drop players then I, sooner than I'm ready to drop them, so then I can get out ahead of these guys I'm writing about. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we're going to take a closer look at some of the hotter hitters in baseball. We'll do that next here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. We could just insert basically all the Phillies, right? Because they're red hot. Andrew McCutcheon hit a grand slam, his 14th home run of the season on Tuesday. And since June, he's batting 293 with seven homers, 25 RBI in 29 games, nearly an RBI per game since the beginning of June. Awesome stuff there for Andrew McCutcheon. Reese Hoskins, who I brought up either a week or two ago, I asked Scott, can you drop this guy? He's like, eh, you know, it depends who's available, but probably not. And this is what Reese Hoskins does. He goes through these waves where he looks awesome, then he looks like he forgot how to uh, play baseball, and then he looks awesome again. And that's where we're at. Uh, He went two for three with his 20th home run of the season, and all of a sudden, batting 381 with four homers over his last seven games is Reese Hoskins and Bryce Harper. Four for five, 15th homer. His first 14 home runs this season, Scott, were all solo shots. Did you know that for Bryce Harper? I did not. It was... An impossible feat that he went that long. Bryce Harper has 15 home runs and 30 RBI. Obviously, you know I'm not saying this in a positive light because for you know fantasy purposes, it sucks that Bryce Harper only has 30 RBI at this point in the season. So come on, man, let's get some people on base ahead of him. But yeah, his first home, first home run that wasn't a solo home run this season. Uh, and over the last 15 games, Bryce Harper seven homers and two steals. Seems like he is getting healthy here, Scott. Um, I know that you talk about McCutcheon a lot, so if there's anything you'd like to add on Reese Hoskins, Bryce Harper, I don't know that you can still buy low on Harper 
But if there's any possibility of doing that, it looks like he's getting healthy now. Yeah, I agree with both points you just made there. <laughs> and I, I ended up, after our conversation for the July 4th podcast about, you know, if we were redrafting the first two rounds for next year, I, I ended up going back in the column and adding Harper as pick number 24. Chris talked me into it after a strong June from him. And it looks like he's back on track. McCutcheon, I, I just want to point out, he was my number one sleeper hitter heading into this week. Already has a grand slam and two doubles. So, mm. looking good so far. Go, Scotty. Go, Scotty. I know you had David Fletcher on that list as well, who just had I a did. massive game on Tuesday as well. Also, Jordan Alvarez, some dad strength. His first game back off of the paternity list. Three hits, a double dong, five more RBI for Jordan Alvarez. He now leads the Houston Astros with 56 RBI this season. Worried about the knees, coming off dual knee surgery. Didn't really know what to expect. The guy has lived up to expectations and then some. For Alvarez, his batted ball data was a little bit off earlier on in the season. Wasn't hitting the ball nearly as hard. His stack has page now nearly identical to when he was called up back in 2019. Obviously, a massive season there for Alvarez when he burst onto the scene. Scott, I'm kind of thinking like we need to make dual moves here where we're moving Alvarez up our outfielding, outfield ranks and moving Cody Bellinger down because I don't know what to say about Cody Bellinger anymore at this point. Like, the, There's nothing positive that I can say. Like, You look at his mm-hmm. all of his fan graphs, stack has pages, like, not hitting the ball hard, striking out like 29% of the time, which is way up from where he's been the past couple of seasons. It could be like that he's coming back from shoulder surgery in the offseason and he's just, you know, he's off to a slow start. But there's just so much. There's so much. There's that and and the fact he seems to tweak his setup, his stance constantly. Was doing started down this path because he did it coming off an MVP season. And you're like what are you doing, Cody? <laughs> Seriously. Um, so I yeah, I moved him down. He's basically right there with Christian Yelich in my outfield rankings. He's behind he's behind Jordan Alvarez now. And uh, you know, what I said about Yelich earlier, what I said about Rendon earlier, I I have no expectations for Bellinger rest of season. I think it's possible he catches fire and and uh is amazing and if you buy him now, you'll probably get him at a great discount, but you might never want to start him, too. It's, <laughs> it's really hard to say at this point. This is kind of a loaded question, Scott, but who would you rather have in Dynasty, Jordan Alvarez or Cody Bellinger? Because this seems like the right time to try and acquire Cody Bellinger in a Dynasty League. And then Alvarez, you, you always kind of have those knees in the back of your mind in Dynasty. What do you think? It's a great question. And I think for the two, for the reason you, Alvarez's knees, and uh, like over the long run, I expect Bellinger to tweak his way back into stardom. I just don't know how long it's going to take. So uh, I'll say Bellinger in Dynasty still. Uh, let's take a look at Javier Baez, who also added a double dong of his own. He now has 21 homers and 10 steals before the All Star break, albeit with a 235 batting average and a 36% strikeout rate for Javier Baez. And Scott, I was going to ask you, do you think that he is a sell high? Because like he's crushing the ball right now. His home run to fly ball ratio, Javier Baez, 31%. Even in his best seasons, 2018 and 2019, 
That home run to fly ball ratio was 24%, and that was with the juice ball. Now, when he puts the ball in the air, Javier Baez, nearly set a 97-mile-per-hour exit velocity on fly balls and line drives. So that is elite. That is 15th best in baseball among qualified hitters. But I've got to think that this home run to fly ball ratio, maybe the plate discipline catches up to him at some point. Would you consider selling high on Javier Baez? Yeah, I think so. Because it's not just... Look, even though those great years, that home run to fly ball ratio that you talked about, you know, 20 to 25%, that's still like outlier. Uh-huh. Outlier territory among the among the league leaders in a home run to fly ball rate. So do, being over 30% and the fact that his strikeout rate this year has jumped to 37%, which is just terrible, beyond terrible. Yeah, I, 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 it, it adds up to very scary profile, more volatile than ever. And it was pretty volatile to begin with for Javier Baez. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know how easily you can replace him at shortstop, but it, it's scary to just write him out. Paul Goldschmidt had two more hits. He's batting 297 with six homers and two steals since June 1st. So nice little bounce back here for Paul Goldschmidt over the past month. And his expected numbers are great. 284 expected batting average, uh, 537 expected slug. And he's someone that I noticed, Scott, we actually have the biggest discrepancy uh, you know, I was scrolling through the rankings today trying to find some rankings debates or whatever, and he was the one that stood out to me most where you have him down at 21 in your first base ranks. I still have him at 11, so maybe it's mm. just that I've been too slow to move him down, but kind of seems like a good spot to have him maybe now that he's coming around the past month for Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah, maybe. I, I think he's decidedly less than a stud at this point in his career playing in St. Louis, uh, more contact-oriented, less power-oriented. You're, you're right that he has underperformed his expected stats, and maybe I need to be giving that more credit. But I just I just keep finding first baseman <laughs> to move ahead of him. Yeah, it's been a, an awesome position in terms of you know guys that went late in drafts, Yuli Gurriel, Jared Walsh. Trey Mancini has slowed down, slowed down a little bit, but still... Gur- oh, Yuli Gurriel. I, yeah. I was thinking... Jordan Alvarez. But yeah, Yuli Gurriel, you're right. Definitely needs to rank ahead of Goldschmidt at this point. Yeah, for sure. There's no doubt about that. Uh, last one I wanted to mention here, DJ LeMahieu had three hits and is now batting 304 with four home runs. Strikeout rate down to 12% since June 1st. So oddly enough, was striking out more earlier on in the season. I think I asked Chris this question last week. Um, do Is it fair to say that DJ LeMahieu is... He's not back, but he's... He's almost back. He's like 85% back. Is that fair to say? I, I'm hopeful. Yeah, I'm hopeful of that. Okay. Uh, it's encouraging that his best month by far came during what should have been the best month for offense with spin rates dropping across the league and the weather warming up. And uh, he delivered what was more like a typical month for him uh, since since joining the Yankees. So, you know, it's it, it's going to be difficult to, for him to ask him to do that month after month, but as much as the environment for hitters has changed this season already, like it makes it really difficult to assess a guy like LeMahieu and what his June means compared to his April and May. I'm keeping an open mind with him. I've moved him down considerably in my rankings, but still 
you know, still top 10 at all of the positions he's eligible, I'm pretty sure. And uh, I'm not optimistic he's we're going to see 2019-2020 version again, but I'm, I'm hopeful he can still be like a borderline stud in the long run. Hmm. By the way, have you seen what else is going on in that Yankees game? I see that Luke Voigt is having a massive game. Four for five with a double, three RBI. Uh, Jamison Tyone is yep. by far having his best start. That's what I wanted to point out. Now, it is at the Mariners, so kind of disappointed he's not throwing a no-hitter, but... Oh, no. <laughs> seven innings, one earned run, four hits allowed, nine strikeouts, nine strikeouts in seven innings. This is his first seven-inning start, right? Yeah, I think his furthest start was a couple starts back against the Royals. I think he went six and a third. So, yeah, this is the, mm-hmm. this is the first time that he's gone seven this season. So, two of his last three starts, one... You know, two, two, two turns ago, he had his best start of the season, and now he's having his best start of the season again. And uh, it's encouraging. Only 11 swinging strikes on 101 pitches, but really weak contact, average exit velocity of 75 miles per hour. That's, that is a pitiful showing for the Mariners who could really use Jared Kelnick. <laughs> they and, sure can. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Jameson Tyone, he's not must roster at this point, but I I still think there may be something there. He's one of those pitchers, Scott, where I, I don't want to have him in the lineup right now. I, I guess I wouldn't have minded it this week because two starts, one of them against the Mariners, but I, I, I kind of just want to leave him on my bench. If he's available anywhere, he's 68% rostered. Just kind of leave him on the bench and see if he figures it out because the underlying numbers, as we've talked about all season, they're still pretty good for Jamison Tyone. Now, the surface numbers are awful. Like, there's nothing I can say to defend that. Like, for the most part, this season, Jamison Tyone has been very bad. Uh, but he's one of these guys where, like, if you don't have to start him and you could afford to just stash him, it's mm-hmm. something that I would want to do. Uh, Scott, who would you rather have between Tyone and John Gray, who had another quality start on Tuesday? Six innings, three runs, eight strikeouts against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Very similar roster rates as well. Well, both were in my sleeper pitchers for this week. And I had Gray ahead of Tyone then. But if we're talking rest of season, I think Gray with the Rockies is pretty ordinary. He's better than most Rockies pitchers over the course of their history, but I think he's pretty ordinary. And I'm hopeful Tyone could be more than that. So I would say, I would say Tyone. Um, by the way, Tyone's second start this week is against the Astros. So that'll be a very big test if he. If he uh, if he turns in another nice effort against them, then I think we'll see him picked up in a, a lot of leagues. Very interested to see what both Garrett Cole and Jamison Tyone do later this week against the Houston Astros. And before we get to some cold hitters, got to tell you all about Express. Mentioned them yesterday. Very happy to have Express back as a sponsor here on the podcast. Express Confidence. Express you. Express is all new and all about you with a fresh mix of casual, versatile, and super comfortable styles. They have everything that you can imagine from suits and blazers to an everyday outfit like jeans and a v-neck. This v-neck that I'm wearing right now it is from Express. And I mentioned like I legitimately shop from Express and I love their clothing. And getting back to the jeans, they have all different kinds of styles. Skinny, slim straight, tapered, 
boot cut, whatever kind of jeans that you're into. They also have a brand new four-way hyper-stretch denim, their stretchiest denim yet. I have a few pairs of skinny stretch jeans myself. I don't know that I should have revealed that on the podcast, but they are awesome and they look great. Very stylish and super, super comfortable. Those uh, four-way hyper-stretch denim jeans from Express. And of course, you need something up top to complete your outfit. Check out their printed short-sleeve shirts, which help you stand out all summer in a good way. Of course, they have tropical and geometric prints for every vibe, moisture-wicking fabrics, so no sweat marks. And of course, they are machine washable, so you don't have to worry about dry cleaning your clothing. We encourage all our listeners to be on the lookout for great summer deals in stores and at express.com. Express confidence, express you. Some cold hitters that I did want to mention, Brian Hayes had a nice game on Tuesday, two for four with two doubles, but on the season, he's batting just 261, 771, uh, 777 OPS. Ground balls are up this year. Quality of contact is down. Don't love the expected numbers, Scott. What do you think? Buy low or no thanks, bro? To Brian Hayes. Buy low. Buy low. Back-to-back multi-hit games with uh, a home run and two doubles. Yeah, I mean, the the quality of contact, all, all the StatCast numbers are down from last year. They were amazing last year, so that's to be expected to a degree. But his sample, the sample of data is so small that I don't even really think it can tell us that much. Uh, yeah, he's not. He's, he hasn't impacted the ball very well. Obviously, there are, are a lot more bats to be had for Cabrian Hayes that could could change that. Adolis Garcia. It's also been kind of cold recently, but he went three for four with his 21st home run on Tuesday. 31 games since July 1st. He's batting 262. It's okay. Five homers, so the power has slowed down. 34% strikeout rate during that time for Adolis Garcia and a 51% ground ball rate. So, mentioned Jared Walsh recently as a sell-high candidate because strikeouts are up, ground balls are up, two things you don't want to see out of a power hitter. Same thing could be said for Adolis Garcia right now. I don't think that you can really sell high on Adolis Garcia, maybe just based on his season-long numbers, but if not, specifically in a Roto League, Categories League, like I'm just going to hold on to Adolis Garcia and reap whatever he gives me rest of season, Scott, but do you think yeah. you can get anything significant for him if you tried to sell high? I, I, I really haven't lowered him in my rankings. Mm-hmm. Now, he was never inside my top 30 outfielders. I don't think he's right outside of that. Yeah. I um, may have to double check that. But, but yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm bought in to the degree that I'm not going to overreact to a, a month-long stretch where the production has been not where I want it to be. Um, I think you could get a lot more for Walsh than you could for Adolis Garcia, which is why I think he's a better sell high candidate. Mm-hmm. In you know, just in, in pure terms of who I'd rather have, I would rather have Walsh than Garcia. But again, I, I think Walsh is is uh, the one I'd be more likely to trade because of what I think I could get for him. All right, is there anything to see here, Scott? Already talked about Tyler Stevenson. Already talked about Orlando Garcia. How about Chad Cool, who was up against the Atlanta Braves? Six innings, one run, zero walks, seven strikeouts. He had 17 swinging strikes on 97 pitches and is throwing his slider a career high 44% of the time for Chad Cool. Anything to see here? I don't think so. Three quality starts in four. And yeah, great swinging strike effort 
with the slider in this one. I thought I remembered him having a lot of swinging strikes with the slider last year too, but I looked at the game log and there wasn't much there. I I think uh, I think you could you can ignore Chad Cool. All right. That's not cool, Scott. Uh, Tuesday homers to know Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hit his 28th home run of the season. Juan Soto hit his 10th. Nolan Arenado with a rare sock and a shoe. 17 homers, his first steal of the season. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton hit his 15th. It was 116 mile per hour exit velocity, 434 feet. Randall Grichuk actually having just a great season for the Blue Jays. He hit his 16th home run of the season. 56 RBI now for him. Cedric Mullins hit his 16th home run for the Baltimore Orioles. I mentioned at the top, I have an 84% rostered starting pitcher that I think you can drop. And his name is Steven Matz. He has a 4.72 ERA, 1.38 whip on the season. Scott, am I missing anything? Why is Steven Matz still 84% rostered? I don't know. I don't know <laughs> what the enthusiasm was about even at the start of the year when he had a few solid starts. I I, I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe people just got attached to him early on and are afraid to move on. That's That's all I can guess. Yeah, I know his XFIP and his expected ERA are both below below four, but I mean four point seven two ERA at this point. It's the guy has been unusable for quite a long time now. Again, that's Steven Matz. So Scott, you'd be all right dropping him for Logan Gilbert, Joe Ross, Zach Thompson, right? Yes. How about for John Gray and Jameson Tyone? Yes. How about go a little bit deeper here, Tyler McGill and Drew Smiley? I'd be fine dropping him for just about anyone, even Smiley. But Smiley, it's like six of one, half a dozen of the other. All right. Let's take a look at some other Tuesday pitching standouts. Tony Gonsolin, Scott, finally had a actual pretty normal start here. And it was at the Miami Marlins, five and a third shutout with only three strikeouts. He had uh, nine swinging strikes on 72 pitches. You know, yep. it's against the Marlins, so you I guess you take it with a grain of salt. But... 72 pitches, trending in the right direction. I like this. Yeah, and I was worried after his last turn because it wasn't even a start. He followed an opener and took a step back with the the pitch count. He actually did have more than 72 pitches in his second start off the IL, which I found interesting, but hadn't gone as long as five and a third innings yet. Uh, I, I noticed even not, I, I don't think I don't think the data from this start was included yet. He has a 297 XERA. Tony Gonsolin does. So that's encouraging. I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged. I think you should hold on to Tony Gonsolin. I think he could be potentially be a big contributor in the second half. All right. We had struggles for both pitchers in that Astros A's game. Chris Bassett, four and a third, eight hits, six earned runs. I hadn't realized how favorable his schedule has been recently. The last eight matchups for Chris Bassett, the Rangers twice. The Angels twice without Mike Trout. The Yankees, the Royals, the Diamondbacks, the Mariners. So the last eight matchups for Chris Bassett have just been fire. And then uh, Framber Valdez, who... What what did Bassett do in that Mariners start? I don't think it was a no-hitter, was it? Ah, man, you knew where I was going. Framber Valdez on the other side. Five innings, ten hits, six runs. Five of those were earned. It was a start to forget. Um 12 swinging strikes, fine. He gave up seven hard-hit balls. Still had a 70% ground ball rate, but I noticed uh, falling behind in the count consistently. 36% first pitch strike percentage in this one for Framber Valdez. Overall, not really worried, but 
this uh, <laughs> the fact that the schedule has been this favorable for Chris Bassett, it, it kind of caught my eye, Scott. I, I'm not really worried about it. He didn't give up much hard contact against the Astros. He just got Jordan. He just ran into Jordan Alvarez twice, basically. Yeah. Both both of Alvarez's home runs came off Bassett. Uh, Framber Valdez is kind of interesting what the A's did to him. It seemed like they were ambushing the sinker, gave up a lot of hard contact on that, and ended up throwing it only half as much as he usually does. Threw a lot of curveballs instead. But he usually throws a lot of curveballs, but you know, it was like half his pitches in this one. So kind of a weird start for Framber Valdez, but nothing no no reason to overreact based on how he's how he'd been pitching so far. Uh Aaron Nola at the Cubs who we've talked a lot about recently trying to figure out what's go- what's wrong with him. Uh, six innings, four runs, eight strikeouts, so just misses out on the quality start. He did have 20 swinging strikes on 100 pitches. Scott, for me, it was really just a, b- a bad third inning for Aaron Nola where he allowed four straight hits and he gave up three runs in that inning. Outside of that, like the velocity was fine, the spin rates were fine, swinging strikes were there. It's I feel like we kind of just get one of those really bad innings every start out for Aaron Nola. I'm making excuses at this point, but there's there's nothing else that I saw in the start. Uh, no, I'm I'm there with you. He's been the most frustrating pitcher so far. I mean, even the way his last start went, where he had 11 strikeouts, but only made it four and two thirds innings, gave a bunch of runs. You know, xFIP is 333. The xCRA is 373. It's a little high, but even the FIP 347. I mean, it's. Strikeout rate is the caper nine is the second best it's ever been. The swinging strike rate is, uh, let's see, the second best it's ever been. I don't really see a lot that's wrong with Aaron Nola. Yeah, I'm. I don't know. I don't know what more to say. I I think I think he's going to be fine in the long run, but it's it's frustrating that he's not giving you the kind of outings you expect from an ace like him. The last two pitchers I wanted to mention, of course, Luis Castillo, Dave. We've got to talk about Luis Castillo. At the Royals, seven innings, one run, only four strikeouts. The last seven starts for Luis Castillo. A 2.00 ERA, 42 strikeouts over 45 innings pitched. He hasn't had more than seven strikeouts in any of those starts. Castillo has been really good during that stretch. He's just doing it in a different way than we've seen before. He's not getting like these massive strikeout totals, but he's he's still been awesome, so... I'm encouraged by Luis Castillo. And then- well, the, the thing about the thing that's always been so enticing about Luis Castillo is he gets the big strikeout totals, but he's also like one of the premier ground ball pitchers. Like he ground ball, like you know, contender for the best ground ball rate in baseball, which is is you don't find a combination like that very often. Usually, the most extreme ground ball pitchers that's their thing that they don't miss bats. Um, so it, it makes sense to me that he's succeeding even without having a big strikeout total. But of course, you'd rather see both. I'm encouraged that the swinging strikes are there, even if the strikeouts aren't. For Shohei Otani, up against the Boston Red Sox, this was following that clunker that he had against the Yankees where he didn't escape the first inning. Goes seven here against the Red Sox. Two runs, four strikeouts, 12 swinging strikes on 89 pitches. Juan Ligares actually robbed the two-run homer for... Xander Bogarts in this game. So definitely helped the final line there for Otani, but he was good. He was good against one of the best lineups in baseball. So only matters in leagues where you have a different Otani, a pitcher version Otani. But uh, yeah, 
outside of that one clunker against the Yankees, it's been, I don't know, the past two months basically have been great for Otani, the pitcher. The call to the pen, some bullpen updates. Oh, man. Get ready for this one. The Reds. The Reds roller coaster. Let's go. Brad Brock enters in the eighth inning with two outs. Three-run lead, man on first. Strikes out Carlos Santana. Okay, end of the inning. Brad Brock starts the ninth. A walk, hit by pitch, run scores on an error. He's replaced by Heath Hembree. Those runners on base are Brad Brock's. Heath Hembree goes ahead, gives up a game-tying two-run double to Nicky Lopez. He's pulled from the game. Amir Garrett then allowed a walk-off single to Salvador Perez. So, back to square one with the Cincinnati Reds. It's, I don't know. It's I, Honestly, Scott, even in deeper leagues, I just, I don't think I want anything to do with it. Me neither. All right. That was probably our easiest analysis yet. For the Houston Astros, Ryan Presley got his 15th save for the White Sox. Liam Hendricks got his 22nd save for the Angels. Rysel Iglesias got his 17th save in that Rockies and Diamondbacks game. Uh, Joaquin Soria pitched in the ninth in a tie game, and then Daniel Bard gave up uh, the the lead. Uh, well, it was a tie game at the time. He gave up two walks, a hit, and an earned run, so he takes the loss. Joaquin Soria winds up with the win. If they ever have another save opportunity, I have a feeling it's going to go to Joaquin Soria. To stream or not to stream for Wednesday, Drew Smiley at the Pirates, Brady Singer versus the Reds, Andrew Heaney versus the Red Sox, Alec Mills versus the Phillies, Antonio Senzatella at the Diamondbacks, Michael Waka versus Cleveland, Scott, you only have to give me one <laughs> because they're so bad. Smiley at Pittsburgh, but I don't want to do it. I agree with you. For Thursday, JT Brubaker at the Mets, Adbert Alzali versus the Phillies, Adrian Hauser versus the Reds, Jay Happ versus the Tigers, Chichi Gonzalez at the Diamondbacks, and Jake Faria versus the Rockies. This- Jake Faria siding. Wow. No, let's not do him. No. JT Brubaker, of course, at the Mets. Um, not really the, excited the, about. Yeah, yeah, well, that's the only one I feel good about is Brubaker. Alzalite, the Phillies, um, they, that could go okay, but I'd rather not. All right, so some team name Wednesday. We'll wrap up here with this. We didn't get to them yesterday just because there was so much to get to, but this one's from Vincent Vlad Mother Trucker. Vlad Mother Tucker. Okay, Vlad Jr., okay. Kyle Tucker. There. Okay. Uh, from Chris... No, you. No, you. No, you. Like, I should wait. <laughs> like uh, when, so, like somebody says to you, "You should do it," and you say back, "No, you." I, I, yeah. Is that is that what that's supposed to be? I think so. I think that's what he's going for. Hmm. Doesn't work. All right, from Kyle. My current team name is Call Eight Seven Seven Glass. Now, good old ah. J G Wentworth. Eight Seven Seven Glass. Now. It's pretty good. I like that. I like it, yeah. From Mark, the unbearable tightness of Ian. Do you know what this is? Nope. Uh, the It's apparently a title from the novel and film The Unbearable Lightness of Being by Milan Kundera. And referencing... Why stuff- is Ian tight? Why is the tightness of Ian? <laughs> I don't know. I think it... Uh, hmm... Referencing starting pitcher and Jethro Tull frontman Ian Anderson. There's probably something there that I'm I'm not getting. Well, because because the original is lightness and they change it to tightness for the team name. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Not really sure. I get that. Maybe maybe that's more so to do with the uh, this frontman part of it, Jethro Tull. Uh, this one's from Robert. If loving you is Wong, I don't want to Wainwright. 
Okay. I, I should probably sing it, but I don't I don't remember how the melody goes right now or the beat. All right. This was from David. Uh VR you going to the mall later. <laughs> this is from Billy Madison. Oh. I don't know if okay. you remember when he's he's doing the spelling bee and he's uh he's spelling out couch and he's like C R are you going to the mall later? <laughs> She's like, no, I'm not going to the mall. And then he goes on to spell it correctly. So that's, that was pretty good. I like that. Uh, from Derek. Well, Albie's a Muncie's uncle. <laughs> yeah, not bad. That's pretty good. Uh, please hack Walsh your hand. More hands. Oh, well, no, it makes sense. Brad hand. Uh, arise from the graveman. <laughs> That's pretty good. Nola Jazz Fest 2021. Mm. All right. All right. These final ones are from Jack, who has kind of emerged as the uh, as the guy. He's like the go-to. He's he's the go-to team name Tuesday, Wednesday. He's he's always got some good ones. Uh, all right. Castillo, we yo, we yo. I think I wanna know you, know you. Yeah. What? <laughs> Do you know where that's from, Scott? I don't. The jungle. I liked your. It's jungle love. Of it. Jungle Love, it? it's uh, Jungle Love, Morris oh. Day and the Time. It's um, it's also a beginning scene from Jay and Silent Bob. Have you ever seen it, Scott? I have not. <laughs> it's another one of those stupid comedies that I have seen that you haven't. So it's <laughs> just it's it's a, a very ridiculous movie, but it's it's funny. Uh, Marcus Semien, the end. Oh no, I I read this wrong. Marcus Semien of the world as we know it some of these are really hard if i don't have the the song going with it that's that's rem marcus semi end of the world as we know it does it sound better now yeah i get where they go, they're going with that i'm not sure i'm not sure it works all right <laughs> i'm not sure it works neither did my voice just then a brayo baby i love jose <laughs> <laughs> I like these are good rodan go breaking my heart Okay. I, I like I like that you're having to sing these. I just I'm enjoying that. They are Adam did so with more gusto, but I appreciate that you're <laughs> you're playing along. They are very good and they actually create a lot of work for me because I have to YouTube each song beforehand to, to figure out how <laughs> it how it works into the team name, but they are good. Uh, and then the last one is Jeff McNeil before Zod. <laughs> okay. I don't know what that's Superman from. two reference. That's <laughs> That's uh, I I didn't know that by the way. It's just here in the notes. But that, that's that's a what is that called? A deep take? Is that what they call it? A deep take? When when you no when you're when you're referencing something that very few people will get. There's a term for it that they use online. The kids. The kids. I, I can't I'm, remember what. I'm they not use, a kid though. anymore, Scott. I'm about to be 30 years old, man. So what do I know? Hmm. All right, Scott. Nothing. Well, you are leaving us. You're going on vacation. You're going to be away until next week on Tuesday. So enjoy your vacation. Yeah, we're ending with a whimper here. It was, <laughs> pretty, it was a pretty bad segment. That's right. fine. <laughs> I'll, I'll rest up. I'll come back energized. Uh, I'm sorry, Ben. I tried. No, it's okay. No, All right. You did try. <laughs> I, I, appreciate, I applaud your efforts. Maybe I got to rethink this Team Name Tuesday thing or just cut these <laughs> down or I don't know. I've got to do something different. For Scott A. and Frank, thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We will be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye.